Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Good morning, Windsor Christian Fellowship. Good morning. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Happy Easter. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. How many are happy Jesus didn't stay in the grave? I certainly am. <laughs> Boy, we'd be in trouble without him. How many know it's, it's a good thing that Jesus rose from the dead? Amen. Think about it. Everything changed that day. History changed. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, every now and then I wear a suit just to keep everybody on their toes. <laughs> I, I have to agree with Julie. We do have amazing worship. Yes, we do. Our, our worship team, they just, uh, they bring us over and over again into the presence of the Lord. Amazing. Amen. So, today we're going to be talking about the only king forever. I'm going to talk for a little while, then I'm going to let my wife talk. I'm glad you're here with me, but go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, and a little bit later, there, there's this scene I was thinking of. I, I couldn't get it out of my head. And, and um, it's in uh, Avengers, and, and you got Thor and Captain America, and Thor's got like the Stormbreaker, and then there's this little hammer. And, and he looks at Cap, and he goes, you get the little one, I get the big one. <laughs> and I look at the throne, and I'm like, yeah, Jesus, you get the big one, I get the little one. Amen. I'm just happy to have a chair. Amen, amen. But Jesus, he came to earth humbly as a baby. He came as an infant humbly, and he lived a sinless life. And, and as he matured, he went through this season where he healed all, it says, who were sick and oppressed of the devil. He even raised the dead. How many of you go around raising dead people? Healing all who are sick and oppressed of the devil, right? But then he died in obedience to God's command in his word, in humility. And then later he was raised, that's what we're celebrating today, as the righteous judge. But you know, Philippians 2 encourages us in verses 5 through 11, and it talks about how we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. That's the kind of savior, that's the kind of king that we serve. But God elevated him to the place of highest. Can everyone say highest? And gave him the name above all their names. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So, as we look at this, there's something that I want to, I want to highlight one portion of the message today. And I want you to understand, we need to trust our king. Amen. Not only is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but we have to put trust in his words and who he said he was, is. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. 
The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Now, my hope is that Jesus is speaking in a little bit of a, a, little bit of a metaphor there. Because if only a few ever find it, that means that there's not going to be many that find it. We want heaven to have lots of people there. But the, the illustration that Jesus is giving is the way to God's kingdom is very narrow. It's very specific. The highway to hell is broad. Have you heard it said that all roads lead to heaven? Or we all end up in the same place and all religion accomplishes the same thing. Jesus says that that's the broad path. If that's your mindset coming in here today or streaming us today, I don't want to necessarily burst your bubble, but I do. Because I have to tell you the truth. If we trust the king, we have to trust the king's words. And the king's words say, the way is narrow. Now, I'm going to define what he says about that, but I want to, I want to go back to Exodus 3.14 real quick. And God was talking to Moses, and, and, and there's this bush that's on fire, and it's not being consumed. And you've got Moses who walks over, and he sees this bush burning and not being consumed. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking to him and says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. Moses is like, yes, sir. And then God's giving Moses some instructions. Now, when God gives you instructions, it's good to see clarity, but arguing with him does not usually end well for you. And Moses is kind of like, okay, God, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh for you, but what do you want me to tell him? Who do you want me to tell the people is sending me? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Now, I find it fascinating that Jesus picks up on the covenant language that God used to describe himself. I am the self-existent one. I am the one who just exists beyond time and space. Jesus speaks that same covenant language through the book of John. We actually see that term 24 times in the book of John, I am. But there are seven major revelations that I want to talk to you about today in the time that I have allowed. We find <laughs> there's seven I am statements I'm going to cover. But in John 8, 58, Jesus declares that he is the I am. And that's why the religious leaders hated him, because he said, I am. And he called himself and made himself equal to God by using God's name. And they all picked up on that. And they weren't too happy about it. That's why they wanted to kill him. So I'm going to try to break down my seven so that you can come up here. Your thing turned off. You have to turn Relax. it off. Relax. Say what you need to say, what the Holy Spirit's telling you to say. <laughs> and so will I. I have to. John 6, 35, the first one is, I am the bread of life. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. How many of you were singing about the mercy of God a couple of minutes ago because you tried many paths before you ended up on the right path? Did anyone seek satisfaction and fulfillment in something outside of Christ? 
It left you empty and broken and hurting. Sex, drugs, alcohol, money, the list goes on. Relationship to relationship to person to person, even jobs and power, it doesn't satisfy. It leaves you empty and wanting more. So you won a championship. So what? Now what? Does that define you as an individual? The greatest of the greatest athletes is going to have to stand before the king of kings one day. And they're going to be asked, what did you do with the time that I gave you? What did you do with the knowledge of the son of God? What did you do in relationship to the king of kings and his instructions to your life? In Christ the King, we find our deepest need, our hunger, our connection with him. It fills our soul's quest to be accepted and to belong. So I'm going to suggest that Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life, he brings satisfaction to your soul like nothing else ever will. In John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Our king is the light that points the way to people that are seeking salvation. They're seeking truth. They're seeking love. The light of Christ, our king, reveals the motives and the hidden sin within us so we can be free from the bondage that it brings us to. And it produces the light allows us to see the truth about who we are and who he is. And usually we don't really measure up to his standard. That's why he had to go to the cross. So that because of his blood, he made a way for us to be able to have relationship again. He gave us salvation. I am the light of the world. Did he illuminate your life? Maybe he hasn't. We'll talk about that after. In John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. Here our king is explaining, if you want to get into heaven and be in relationship with God, it can only be through Jesus the gate. He's the door. There's only one way to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's through Jesus. He's going to say that again in a moment when we get to the, one of these other ones. But see, what you got to understand is, People try to make their own doorway into heaven through their good works or through their self-righteousness or through their false religion. Mm -hmm. You create God in your image and that's never going to end where you want it to. God made man in his image. It wasn't the other way around. Happy Resurrection Sunday. John 10, verse 11. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Wait, what? The king of kings is one who lays down his life for his subjects. You want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to serve. Our master served, we serve. The king is the one who guides us, leads us, cares for us, directs us, and sacrificially lay down his life for us on the cross. This ties in very closely to the picture of I am the gate to the sheepfold or the doorway to heaven where the true sheep end up. See, Jesus is the door to get into heaven, 
but he is also the way as the good shepherd that leads us and guides us to come to the place that we can repent of our sin and give our life to him. And then we have John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. I want you to understand something. The king of kings has authority over life and authority over death. That power has been granted to him. Eternity is his domain. If you want to spend eternity with the king, you only do so on his terms. You don't get to spend eternity with the king of kings on your own terms. You don't get to choose your own adventure. (laughs) The Bible says we repent of our sin. We surrender our life to the king, right? And then we allow the resurrection life of Christ to transform us from the inside out. And he changes us. And in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. I mentioned all roads do not lead to God. All religions do not end up in the same place. The one called the king of kings disagrees with that mindset. That is not his opinion. That is not his perspective. And that's not how it's all going to work out. If you think you can get to God on your own merit, you're fooling yourself. Jesus declared, I am the way. Jesus declared, I am truth. Jesus declared, I am life. If you want to have a relationship with God, you can only do it through Christ the King. It's through Jesus, the King of Kings, only. To the exclusion of all others. That's right. You can stand with your friends and your family and even your enemies when we come in and we worship together but you stand before God by yourself alone. And you either stand under the blood of Christ or not at all. I got one more. And then the nice one comes and talks. (laughs) In John 15, one to five, I am the vine. I'm the true grapevine and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I could probably teach for weeks just on these five verses. I'm not going to do that this morning. There's so many things. Our connection to Christ. He helps us produce the fruit of the Spirit by removing our love for this world system. How does he, he have to cut it away? You know, we, we, we have a tree in our front lawn, a little tiny tree. And I was talking with a friend the other day, and he said, you got to cut those little things off the bottom so that it can put more energy at the top. You prune it. That's what you do. You, you prune the branches off and it makes it more fruitful. Your fruit trees work the same way. If they get cut back, I, man, I remember last year, we have this, uh, it's like a sand cherry. 
And I remember my wife went out there and she cut it back. And I was like, honey, what are you doing? You know, it was like, you know, the, the fluffy dog that gets shaved. <laughs> our, our, our tree, it was like cut back. And I was like, whoa, maybe. You, but man, did that thing go crazy later. It grew and grew and grew. We actually had to cut it back a couple times because it was growing too much. But see, that's how we are when we spend time in the presence of God, when we spend time in his word, when we spend time in prayer, when we receive instruction from the king, he prunes us. And then we produce more of the fruit of the spirit, the love, the joy, the kindness, the goodness, right? And, and the long suffering and the patience, like those things develop when we allow the Holy Spirit, when we allow Jesus, the King, to cut back the things inside of our life. And then what happens is your connection to him is what is going to sustain you in every arena of your life. Come on up. And, and, and the Holy like... Jesus, the king, when you abide in him, that's when you reach the maximum potential that you have for this life. When you abide in him. If you're not in him, if you're not abiding in Christ, then how are you thinking you're going to develop the fruit of the spirit? By your own self-control and self-discipline? It, it doesn't work that way. Is it my turn? It's your turn. Okay. Hey, by the way, I forgot to tell you. I wore my Wesleyan buttercup socks today. But I didn't get to wear mine. Yeah, well, you can't wear those with these shoes. But I wore my pretty shoes. Yes. The shoes that you got me. I did. I do love you. He does. So the context of today's message, we are talking about Jesus, the only king forever, the only king forever. And the justice of the king. So when Jesus first came, he came humbly as a babe. He came so that he might restore our relationship back to him. But when Jesus comes again, He's not coming humbly. He's not coming with peace. He is coming as a king ready to wage war against evil. I want to read from Matthew 7, 21 to 23. And Jesus is returning as the king of kings in all authority and as the righteous and true judge. So it starts off in 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me you who break God's law. I want to refer back to what Pastor RJ's last point, talking about abiding in the vine. 
and John 15. And he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So yes, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So uh, what I want to focus on and point out this morning and talk about is identity, your identity. And Jesus, first of all, his identity, who is he? He is the king. For For the context of today's message, he is king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. As the king, he says to you, identity first, his identity. Who am I? I am the vine. That's God's identity. He says then after, who are you? You are the branches. That's who you are. Your identity is inherently tied to him, but what you filter your identity through is through his So the only way that you will be able to grow, be rooted, grounded in your identity is by being in his identity, first of all, him as the vine. And as you remain in him with his identity being who he is, he speaks to you your identity, your unique part as being part of that branch but the part that is the greater whole of the community and the body of Christ. So here's the thing. Jesus says here, there are people who will call out to me, Jesus, Lord, Lord. We cast out demons in your name. We performed miracles in your name. And Jesus says to them on the day of judgment, get away from me, you who break God's law. And then he says to those people who actually do God's will, that they will be entered into the kingdom of heaven. I want to point out, there are many differences. We can't even, like, we are just skimming the surface here. So there are many differences between who these people are. The people that Jesus says, get away from me, you who break God's law, and the people, he says, come, you who actually do the will of the Father. And the critical and very distinct thing that I want to show you today is our motive. The motive in the why and what we do. See, the motive is going to come out of your heart, and your heart abiding in the vine is inherently linked to Jesus and how your perspective on how you see the king. I want to go further. So Jesus says, I am, because of who he is, your identity through the Father, you'll filter everything through. I want to bring to you, I want to kind of frame this for you a little bit better. I want to tell you a story. I want to read from scripture in the Old Testament. And we're very familiar with this story. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And I want to read in Genesis 4, Three to seven. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. 
But Abel brought an offering of the finest firstborn of his flock in the fat portions. And the Lord had respect, regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no respect. So Cain became very angry, indignant, and he looked annoyed and hostile. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why do you look so annoyed? If you do well, believing me and doing what is acceptable, pleasing to me, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, but you ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door and its desire is for you to overpower you. Now there, I I can't even begin to unpack the revelation in here. Like I said, we're gonna just be skimming the surface. For today, remember the context is the king of king. And we're focusing on the motive and the posture of our heart. So I wanna go back to, and let's go through this. It says, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord, the word says, an offering, the fruit of the ground. Abel, the word of God says, he brought an offering, but says it was the finest of his firstborn of the flock in the fat portion. So I just wanna stop there and point out to you. So here is the perspective. I've, there's, there's many schools of thought here. And we can talk about like, there's a perspective of why, you know, the fruit was not the, he is a farmer and it wasn't accepted. And there's perspective of the offering and the lamb. There's no difference in, there's no greater thing. It doesn't mean more to be a shepherd and give God your sheep as an offering, or if you're a farmer and you're giving God the grain and the things that you have farmed. The difference is not in what you have given. It's the motive of your heart and how you have given it. Okay? So Abel's perspective of God and how he perceives the king, his perspective of him, is through his identity, through who God is. God is the king, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. Everything belongs to him. When I'm going to the king, I'm going to bring my best. What I, the best of what I have. I'm holding nothing back from him. I'm bringing him the best. Cain, on the other hand, he is bringing God an offering, the word of God says. So the offering he's bringing, how is his perception of the Lord? Is his perception, the king, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And he holds the very breath that Cain breathes in his hand. And he's bringing to the king an offering. So this is what the Lord says to Cain. Okay, so Cain became extremely angry, indignant. He looked annoyed and hostile. And Cain says to him, why are you so angry? Why do you look so annoyed? God is essentially saying, calling him on the carpet for his behavior. He's like, you know what you did, buddy. You know how you brought this offering to me. Why are you so annoyed? Why are you so angry? God is pointing out to him the position and the posture of his heart and the motive of his heart and how Cain brought the offering to the Lord. It's like when you go to your, you're saying to your kids, you know, your kids, you ask them to do something and you, and you give them, instruction because it says tells us here god says to him if you do well 
what is acceptable and pleasing to me, following my instructions. You don't ignore them. So God is saying here, I gave you the instructions. You knew my instructions. If you do it right, there's a, there's a guarantee. There is no way I won't accept you. There's no way I won't. I will. Won't you be accepted if you do well? So it's like us when you go to work your kids and you give them something to do and you ask them how to do it, you tell them how to do it, you give them specific instructions and they come to you and say, yeah, I'm done, I did it and everything. And so then you go, they bring it to you and you're like, really? Really? This is how you did it? And then they get all upset, defensive and angry at you. This is fictitious, right? This never happens in our home. (laughs) Defensive and angry at you and blaming you instead of, you know, Cain had two choices here. He could have been like, you know, you're right, God. Like, why am I angry and defensive? I I knew I I didn't come to you as the king. I knew I should have humbled myself before you and brought you the best because of who you are. And then in reflection of who I am, I'm your, I'm your son. Everything that you have belongs to me, so why am I holding it back from you? And he says, I've given you instructions. Why didn't you follow them? Because if you do follow my instruction, it's a guarantee. I'm accepting you. You are welcomed, you are beloved, you are mine. But Cain instead was resentful, bitter, angry. And he went and blamed his brother who had nothing to do with it. He blamed somebody else for his choice. Who does that? Nobody. Not ever us, you or I, we never do that, right? So I want to, when we're pointing out and talking about heart devotion and love for the king, the one way that I feel like we all understand it and that can be best illustrated is through our tithes and offerings. Okay? So in your tithe and in your offering. First of all, it's, a, it's an offering here that God is talking about. The Bible says it was an offering. It was a choice that they had. to. So you have a choice. God asks us, he says to you, I love cheerful giving. I love when you come to me and you give with a cheerful heart enthusiastically, not feeling like you are coerced, manipulated, or forced into giving. I love when you come to me and you give it back to me. But how are you giving it to me? See, your perspective again is, is he the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Do you look at God as he's the king? He's God. He's the creator of the universe. Do you have a balanced and right perspective on the fear of the Lord in your life? Because you better have it. Because he is God and he is all love and goodness and mercy, but he is the God of judgment and justice. And he is the creator of the universe who holds the very breath you breathe in his hands. 
And the next breath you breathe is in his hands and the next one after that. So it's very possible. See, the motive of your heart is inherently tied to your identity because out of that is flowing your motive. It's the outward expression of, what you, of who you are. But here's the thing. You can perform and you can put on an act and everybody, for everybody to see. It is very possible to go through the entirety of your Christian life. Faking, putting it on a performance, raising up holy hands, worshiping, doing all of those things and never ever fully having given over your life to the kingship of the Lord God Almighty. And you think you're fooling everybody. And maybe you are. And maybe perhaps you've even arrived at the place where you're fooling yourself. But be assured, be assured you are not fooling God. See, that was Cain's problem. He thought, I'll just slide one under, you know. I can get one past God. He doesn't know. God knows your heart and the motive of your heart and how are you coming to him with the motive in your heart because you, I, you first of all recognize the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And out of that identity, you've recognized who you are. And you see that I want to give everything to God. I want him to have my all. So my worship is genuine. My worship is heartfelt. What I give to God is my all. It comes out in how I behave and how I express. And it's those, the difference is those who actually do the will of the Father in heaven are going to be connected to the vine and do the will of the Father. Amen. See, here's the other thing. Abel or Cain was trying to do what he wanted to do and then approach God with his offering and say, Lord, bless it. Bless it, God, bless it. How many of us come to God with, this is my plan. This is what I want to do, God. Please bless it. Bless it. And God on the other side is saying like, uh, but and when it doesn't work out and you're upset and you're angry and you're annoyed and you're going, what the heck is the problem? God is saying, why are you so upset? Why are you annoyed? You have no business being annoyed or upset. I gave you instructions and you haven't followed them. But you're coming to me, God, the Lord God Almighty, the King of Kings, the ruler of heaven and earth, all authority in heaven is, and under heaven is given to him. And you're coming to me saying, I demand that you bless my plans. And God is saying, I, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, my identity is poured into you and your unique identity is developed and grown and birthed and God shows you who you are. And when you do what God shows you to do and you are in obedience to him, you will be blessed and God will be saying to you, you are actually doing the will of the Father. But on the other side of that, Jesus says, he says, there's going to be a lot of people who come to me and say to me, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? 
Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we, didn't we, didn't we? And God is saying to them, did you follow my instructions? Did you do what I asked you to do? Where was your motive and where was your heart? Because you think you're fooling God, but you're not. I touched on it on Good Friday. Is your life a reflection of all of God's power and glory? Of what he can do? Is he getting the credit? Is he getting the glory? Is he getting the honor? Because the word of God says, apart from me, you will do nothing. You can do nothing. Is he getting the glory and the honor? Because if he gets the glory and the honor, then with him, all things are possible. But Jesus says, depart from me. Go away from me. I never knew you, you who break God's law. What did you break? You broke his law. You didn't abide in him. Therefore, you were not not operating in love, not abiding in him, in disobedience in him, and then thinking you could fool God by saying, but I, Lord, I'm worshiping you. Don't, don't I lift up holy hands? Don't I go pray for people? Don't I go do miracles in your name? But who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? See, with your tithing and your offering when you're giving it, are you, are you gonna give it if you don't get a tax receipt? There's a day that's coming, mark my words, where you're not gonna get a tax receipt for your giving. Are you going to give? Who is your source? Are you going to give? Because God said you need to give. Everything you have is mine, but I give it back to you. Are you going to give? Are you giving because, you know, you like to see the big tally, the big number at the bottom? Like, look what I did. Look at all the money I gave to the church. I did that. But that's not the attitude that God wants. Because everything that you have belongs to him. You would have nothing without him. Nothing. So how are we doing, how are we giving? How are we approaching the king of kings and the Lord of lords? John fifteen six says, anyone, 616 says, anyone, who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. So basically, this is another way of saying, he's going to say, get away from me. I never knew you, you who break God's law. Because I have no use for you. I'm going to, you're going to be cut off and the branches are going to be withered away and burned. Jesus says in verse nine, I have loved you even as the father has loved me. Remain in my love and obey my commandments. When you remain in my love, just as the father's commandments and remain in my love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with joy. (sighs) Hebrews 4, 13 says, just so you know, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. 
And he is the one to whom we are accountable. Revelation 19, 11 to 16 says, and then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and the title was on the word of God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God. The Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press on his robe, at his thigh was written the title, King of all kings, Lord of all lords. Church, it's so important that you take the time right now to ask the Holy Spirit, God, where are my motives? Am I deceived in an area? Do I actually, am I, do I actually think I'm doing this for you, but I'm really doing it for myself? We need to be asking ourselves for God to cleanse our hearts, to check our hearts and be ready to rightly and soberly listen to the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is saying, we need to work on this. Amen. This, this motivation here, mm -mm -mm. And then when God says to you, you have the opportunity now, let's work on this together. Don't run away from me like Cain did. Stay with me. Abide in me. Let my identity of who you are be poured into you so that you can know and be rooted in your identity and who you are. Because you are mine. You are loved. Trust me as the father. You know, as a mom, my motivation, you know, has anybody ever heard from their kids, God, you're just making my life miserable. You're just trying to ruin my life. <laughs> Especially as a teenager. Oh my gosh, and we have four of them. <laughs> Teenagers, they know it all, you know. They're making my life miserable. Why are you trying to stop me from doing everything? My motive as a parent for the best Amen. for my children. I love them. I would pour out my life for them. And so would you if you're a parent. Amen. That when you go to your children and you say, honey, listen, there are some things you don't need to experience to know that they're bad. <laughs> Trust mom. <laughs> when she says to you, you don't need to experience this to know that it's not a good thing. I'm telling you. You either believe me 
because my motive, my heart towards you is for your good, for your success, so that you would be blessed. Young people, if you can give me your ear for a second, there are instructions that God has given to you as young people. His instruction is to honor, to respect your parents. And Jesus says to you, God says to you, I'm just not telling you to do what I say. I'm giving you a promise with it. I'm giving you a guarantee that when you follow my instruction and honor your mom and dad, those in authority over you, anyone who stands in that role, that figure of a mother, father, mentor, coach, love you. They are not meditating and premeditating evil against you. They are meditating and wanting the best that God has for you. And God wants your best. And God says that if you follow my instruction, which is to honor and to respect the authority in your life and your parents, who's covering over your life, protects you, guides you, pours wisdom into you. Now, we are flawed. We don't do it right all the time. We have our stuff too. But God knows we love you. And we're doing our best. But Jesus, he's perfect. He's perfect. His best is the best. And he wants you to have that. And he guarantees when you follow my instruction, will you not be accepted? Is there no other choice for me, but you'll be blessed. He promises it will go well with you on the earth. It will go well for you when you do these things. Pastor RJ talked about the narrow way and the broad way. It's not about you. The broad way is about you. Do what's good for you. Live your best life. If I have to hear that anymore, I'm telling you, I just want to live my best life. No, you don't. It's not about your life and your best life. Because if you want your best life, guess what Jesus is going to say to you? Depart from me, you who break God's law. That's what Jesus is going to say to you. It's not about your life. It's not about do what's good for you. If you are thinking that and that's your mindset, then you haven't read the same Bible I've read. You're not following in the pattern in the example of Jesus Christ who said, take up your cross and follow me. There is a reason that Jesus says the cross, not your bouquet of daisies and follow the yellow brick road because it's going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. The broad way that the world has to offer is everything is good. Everything works. You don't want, you want to identify as something, identify as it. Whatever. I want to identify with Jesus Christ. Who do you want to identify with? 
That's right, nobody's stopping. You want to identify as a rock? Go be a rock. <laughs> but the world, that's what you identify as? Fine. Good for you. No. Identify with Jesus Christ. And I promise you, your identity that Jesus has for you, your unique part that Jesus has for you, your unique branch, you abide in him. And nothing is impossible for you. Nothing. As long as you're abiding in him. And he gets the glory. He gets the honor. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you stand with me, please? So when we look at the scriptures, Matthew 28, Jesus has been given all authority. He says to go and make disciples. Then he says, teach the new disciples to obey all the commands. In Hebrews 4, around 14, 15, 16, it says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace that God has made available to us to receive mercy and find grace when we need it. I'm going to suggest if you go to the throne of grace now in this life, you will avert the future judgment that's going to come in the next life. If you can confess and forsake sin now in this life, you will not be judged for sin in the next life. Matthew 12, 35 and 36, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit or condemn you. You know, we're here, Resurrection Sunday. We call it Easter. We're celebrating the resurrection of Christ. He is the only king forever. But as you're standing here, or maybe you're listening online, or maybe you're listening at a later date, but the truth is, God wants your heart. He wants you to surrender your heart to him, your will to him, your way to him. And in that surrender, when we repent of our sin, we can receive mercy, we receive forgiveness, and we gain eternal life. We gain God's plan, who has a good plan for your life. His word even declares that he has a good plan for you. He wants good things for you. Amen. He never said it would be without challenge. In fact, he said in this world, we'll have tribulation, we'll have challenge, but we gain eternity with him. The real life, which is the next life as citizens of heaven. So, Father, as we have the bread in our hand today, I thank you that you are the king. Lord, for every person that we could come to the place in our life where we bow our knee to you, we bow our heart to you, we forsake our sinful self, our selfish ambition, we lay our life down and we take up your nature. We thank you that you've cut away the sin in our life and our heart and you're producing good fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, that we can receive your love and your joy and your peace. That is the kingdom 
And this day, you, the only king, are going to rule and reign supreme on the hearts of your people here on planet Earth in 2022. So we receive healing and freedom now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, today as we receive your cup, I pray for your church, for your children. I pray, Lord God, that you would stir up in our hearts to come before you with transparency, God, with honesty, that we would be coming to you asking you, God, am I about my own will? in my own plan, asking you to bless it? Or am I really asking you for your plan and your will? And then you, you give me a promise that you will bless it, that you will go before me and you bless it. God, I thank you that as a church, as a body of Christ, a community of believers, as individual children, unique and awesome in how you created us. Holy Spirit, I thank you that today the posture of our heart in this very moment, we are asking you to check our motives. We're asking you to check our devotion, our love, and that our outward expression is real, it's true out of our great love for you is the outward demonstration of holy hands lifted up, of a voice raised up to you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The King. The King who died for us. The King who is resurrected. The King who says, I pour that same spirit of resurrection life into you. Father, I pray that we would abide in you to be rooted in your love and who you are. That we receive this cup with a rightful, sobering understanding of the sacrifice the fear of the Lord in our life, remembering how much Jesus loved us, that he poured out his life literally for us, that we have a great high priest who knows, who knows the struggle we have here on this earth. He knows what it feels like to walk through struggle and heartache and sorrow and grief and loss, rejection, oppression, all of it. He knows. Lord, thank you that you are acquainted with all of the suffering that we might go through. That you don't diminish it, but you acknowledge that it is, it is real, I understand but greater am I in you. You can do all things through me who strengthen you. Father, I thank you 
that when you say we can come to the throne of grace, your word says that you then give us the grace and the enablement to overcome the struggle, to break through, to get to the other side. We're going through, we're not staying here. It's you, God. It's you who says you can do it. I've made the way. Father, thank you that you've made the way. That when we come to the cross, you don't leave us alone. You don't just say, leave it here and go. But you say, come, leave it here. But then I am going to come to you and pour into you grace to overcome power to overcome, strength to be victorious. In Jesus' name. Tell them who Jesus is. In Jesus' name, amen.
to the 